everyone, and welcome to Everyday Linux, Episode 10, From Gnome to KDE with Love. Brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementop.com. This week, our friend Chris is going to tell you why he left Gnome and why he's in love with KDE for this week. Um, <laughs> we talked about windowing systems at length in a, in a previous episode, and that prompted him to uh, uh, go in search of something better. And so this week, he's going to tell us a little bit about uh, what he's found. So uh, I'll go ahead and introduce him to you, Mr. Chris Neves. Say hello every- to everybody. Hello, everyone. And we also have Mr. Seth Anderson with us. Hello, Seth. Hey, everybody. And, of course, our noob in residence, Mr. Aaron Butler. Hi, Aaron. Hello, Mark, Chris, Seth, and all of our listeners out there in the world. Yes. And uh, I will uh, get to this a little bit later on, but I will say anybody listening live, uh, I can be found, we can all be found in a Google Hangout right now. Uh, Search for me on Google Plus simply by Mark Cockrell and uh, join in. And so let's go ahead and talk about it a little bit. Uh, what what is Google Hangouts? What is Hangout a part of, guys? That would be Google Plus, Mark. Google Plus. And uh, I, I, our audience, right? Are they're not only geeks, but probably the geekiest of the geeks. Let's they are not, uber geeks. Let's not insult them by assuming they don't know what Google Plus is. Let's just talk a little bit about what we think about it, since it's still relatively new. I'm just uh, now so far, I think it's getting right. into it. Go ahead, Chris. Should we raise our hands since we have a hangout? (laughs) (laughs) I have my hand up. Yeah, I'm. I'm actually kind of kind of digging it. I haven't played with it a whole lot. I've listened to a couple of podcasts about it, including the one that you can find on the Tightwad Tech. Um, and plugging like a pro, Aaron. Plugging like a pro. I'm working on that, Mark. Trying to plug plug who needs to be plugged and not plug the competition because I'm I was remissing that the other day, but the. uh, I think the Google the, the Hangout is one of the coolest things. Just offering that as a free service is just incredible. I'm sitting here looking at Chris, kind of looking at Mark, <laughs> looking at Seth. Um, it's awesome. And then the the circle, the whole circles thing. If you haven't played around with it yet, if you're listening to this and you haven't played around with it, um, the circles thing is so much in my mind more intuitive than the list idea. Just the way it works. So basically the exact same thing as the list, but it functionally um, works a little easier, a little more intuitive, and it's funner. You know what might be interesting? I'm just I'm making this up as we go, so keep talking. Uh, okay. But I think I can capture on my laptop to the stream our Google Hangouts window so people can see what we're talking about. That would be awesome. Huh. That would be cool. And then they could all see us. Yeah, all one of them who's out there watching. Hello. One of you. I wonder if that's. Uh, I wonder if that's my friend. I wonder if that's the hoof, or if that's Tom. My friend Tom was going to listen in. Of course, he was going to listen in at eight, and we're thirty minutes late starting. So, um, he may have have found other things to do. I haven't blasted it through my social media yet, including but not limited to Google Plus. I guess I could do that. All right, you guys are now on the stream. Woohoo! Woohoo! So, uh, Chris standing on his head, Aaron doing a mugshot profile, uh, me coming in from a garage, and Seth uh, looking like he never left work on Friday. So, here we <laughs> <go>. <laughs> well, I could move my camera and clip it on my little tiny laptop uh, keyboard that's in my lap, but then you would be able to see up my nose, and that would not be fun either. 
All right, so guys, anything else we want to talk about Google Plus in general? Just uh, the the circles is kind of neat. The ability to manage um, your friends in uh, and well, your followers. What do you, what do we call them? Your plusers. Uh, manage folks uh, in your social network in a uh, um, a very granular way. Uh, in that you can you can separate people out. You can have people in in multiple same same people in a bunch of different circles so that you can share to a uh, different thing. It's, I think Google really did that part right. Yeah, I agree yeah. with you, Mark. Um, the other thing I noticed that's a big difference is the the web albums. They did a, a big overhaul on the web albums, too. And I really like that new interface for their pictures. Yeah, the uh, light box, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's uh, probably one of the best-looking ones uh, I've seen, period. I mean, certainly in a web app. I haven't actually yeah. seen that. Oh, you know, the whole Picasa integration thing, um, you know, using the Picasa, if you already have a Picasa account and that being available, it's cool. And Mark, you talked about in your show the other day about the um, automatic upload using the Google Plus um, Android app. Right. And that's pretty sweet. Yeah, I, um, I gave my uh, um, kid my phone in church this morning, as I always do, uh, just something to do to keep them quiet. Um, and uh, she started drawing on her little uh, color thing. And one of the things that comes up, one of the options that she's given is, uh, do you want to save this to the gallery? She, of course, immediately said yes to every one of them, and they all got uploaded to Google uh, uh, Plus. <laughs> That's awesome. funny. So I have all these uh, pictures created by a, a seven-year-old uh, now uh, waiting to be shared. I did notice on uh, Picasso Web, uh, no, it's Google Docs. They uploaded, they uh, increased the upload size to 10 gigs. So you can now upload a 10-gig document. So I, I got to think they're laying the groundwork for something there, um, Google Plus related. Hey, Paul Hawkinson has joined us. Hello, Paul. We don't know Hello, who you Paul. are, but welcome. <laughs> oh, well, somebody else in here? Oh, Cheryl Butler. <laughs> we have two two butlers now. I'm in twice. I was the other one was uh the camera wasn't. Yeah, so so people who are listening to this a week later won't get any of this, so let's just move on. <laughs> Chris, what do you do when your hardware fails? Punt. <laughs> uh yeah i had two hardware failures this this uh week totally scared me um both my home file server and my home um business server because i have a home business server that has all my bookkeeping on it um and it was kind of scary because i didn't have spare motherboards laying around and both of them are in a raid uh mirror and i don't have anything that would read said raid mirror anymore so, so what'd you uh, do? I got lucky. I got real lucky is what happened is I <laughs> I was able to find somebody who has the same exact one, motherboard as what I have. <laughs> and he loaned the motherboard to me long enough for me to recover all my stuff. So you had your thing just striped using the uh the raid controller on the motherboard? Yep. Ah, yes, I can see why that was scary. <laughs> Wow, but, that would be pretty. But it's all back up and running now. So, but it, it scared me there for a couple of days because I thought for sure I had 
lost all my pictures and music and movies and in my business documents and, and oh, I was sweating bullets there for a weekend. That's why you need carbonite, <laughs> as Leo would say. <laughs> if you were here. That's funny. I'm carbonite actually- would have been nice, but uh, having just been drop dead lucky kind of paid off more than that, I think. I'm actually a big believer in offside backup, things like Mosey or carbonite. We, we did a whole episode on that on uh, uh, Taiwan Tech. Go back and listen to that. I don't remember which episode it was, but uh, listen to them all and you'll find it. It's been a while back. And Seth, you posted something about a, uh, a Wi-Fi antenna. What, what's that up about? Yeah, it was that I was reading, and it was just pretty cool. They have developed an antenna that can pull power from Wi-Fi signals. Um, it's kind of one of those things. It's not like released to the public yet, but I just thought it was interesting that you know they've got it. They've developed it now where you can, and you can actually like print it with one of those printers with specialized ink and stuff where you can, if you have an antenna and depending on the size of the the antenna, you could power something like a smartphone with it. Um, So, and I just thought it was an interesting article that I read and I thought I would share it with the everyday Linux crowd. So if the antenna is four times the size of a smartphone, you could power a smartphone? Well, you know, if you have something other like one of those mats that, uh, you know, you don't have to hook a cord up to, because, you know, you could like, maybe connect it to that or something. I really don't know how it would work. I just, I, and, you know, like I say, it's one of those, they have the breakthrough, but it's not a commercially viable product yet. I actually read a, a similar article some time ago about that, where the idea of harvesting the radio waves that are already around you, you know, we're being bombarded even not even when we don't generate them if you're somewhere out in the in the the country the earth itself generates radio waves and uh, the idea was that we could harness some of those uh for uh to make energy and it was a, a neat concept well you know mark what, energy can't be created it can only be transformed from sorry we just had to keep yeah. the geek level way up there <laughs> yeah it said uh, in the article it said so far, scientists have been able to power a temperature sensor using the transmission energy from a television station half a kilometer away. So, you know, again, you can't save the world's energy problem with that, but I thought it was impressive geekery enough to make the show anyway. This is funny. Actually, I have to do some rudimentary camera switching using Google Plus here, not not the, the complexity of what I used to do on the Taiwan Tech, which, if anybody's wondering, the reason we stopped doing that is nobody was watching, and it was a lot of effort for no reason. So, <laughs> well, This is, this is uh, kind of neat, because I can see our listener. <laughs> our Hello, one Paul. listener. Hello. <laughs> and I can see all my compatriots. It's awesome. Well, I have a quick warm-up thing that I didn't throw on the list, that because I didn't know I was going to talk about it because of what Seth just mentioned. Um, there's a new show out called Alphas. Has anybody seen that? Yeah, I saw the um, pilot. You saw it? Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. It was all right. I th- I th- uh, and the guy, you know, the one guy on there um, sees the expanded spectrum, which I thought was interesting. Except the thing I liked Kia. about it, too, was the idea that he could, uh, that all, all of the hero's um, powers are based off of just slightly amplified real things. You know, like there's some animals that can see infrared. There's, you know, there is such a thing as synesthesia where people smell colors and and hear, uh, you know, hear tastes and things like that where their their senses get crossed. And it was pretty interesting. And I know pretty much every high school girl had that power where they could t- override my willpower when I was in high school. <laughs> so I know that's real. <laughs> yep. 
I think that's called having a penis. I, I really yeah. think there's nothing more. <laughs> None of those girls that. had a penis. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> no, but you but, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. So uh, just to keep the that geek level. That the family and family-friendly <laughs> portion of our show. Yeah. <laughs> and to, to show my geek cred, I'm going to quote Douglas Adams. Um in the uh, the book, Mostly Harmless, the, he had a little dialogue in there that I thought was great. He talked about the fact that uh, the universe exists across all spectrums. The only thing that's different from being to being is how whether or not they can perceive it. For example, radio didn't radio waves didn't exist to humans until we invented the radio. They were always there; they just didn't exist to us. So they built. Uh, a new version of the Hitchhiker's Guide with no filters. It could travel time and and, and space, and and that was you know uh, an interesting philosophy there in his fiction book that I've always carried with me. That the universe is what it is, and the only difference is whether or not we can perceive it. Right. Yeah. Um. F- Doctor Feinberg. Um. I think it's his name Feinberg Feinstein Fein. Famous physicist. Uh. He uh he was talking about that too about how the the radio waves flying around the room right now, and we, we can't hear them, we can't perceive them. Can you give me a glass of that too, Paul? We're at it. Um, and uh, how just our perception that we can have all these conversations going around in a room at once, and it doesn't it doesn't bother us because we don't perceive them. Right. You know, so. So, Chris, how do you perceive KDE? How's that for a smooth transition? That was awesome. That was smooth. Very, very smooth. <laughs> Um, well, KDE so far has, it's a, like I said, it's a little bit of a love hate relationship right now. Um, I'll start with a little bit of background just so you guys can get a little bit of laugh. But, uh, when KDE was first released back in 1996, um, it was called the cool desktop environment. Is that what it was? That's exactly what it was called according to Wikipedia and also the KDE website history page. And if you can't trust strangers on the internet, who can you trust? True, true, I just true. Thought that, I just thought that was pretty funny at the fact that, you know, KDE was the cool desktop environment back in 96. With a K, no less. Yep, with a K-O-O-L, yeah. That's awesome song. Well, cool in the gang was all the rage back then. I just had to put that in there. I thought that was pretty cool. But, yeah, there's been it's been released pretty regularly since 96, almost every two years. So... The biggest change in that was when it went from 3.0 to 4.0 in between 2002 and 2008. So it was a six-year change there. Um, some of the reasons why I moved away from K- from GNOME to KDE is, you know, when I first started in Linux and when I when I first started playing with Linux in general, uh, it was a KDE environment. Uh, GNOME was, I don't know, it, it just felt like it was holding people's hands and it felt strange coming from a windows environment so the first place i started in is kde um and i was a kde user until they went and all the way through 3.5 3.6 but when they switched to kde4 um it just like in gnome 3's situation right now i felt it was broken um on my particular hardware gnome 3 is almost unusable it's so slow that i can't even function day to day uh Interesting, Chris. What you said is it was very common. Most people thought when they moved from three to four that it was a it was a, a terrible move. It was broken. It wasn't ready yet, and it took took them six years to make that bad move. Um, yeah, KDE three five. I in, at the time was, in my opinion, the best environment that I've actually ever used. 
Uh, it had enough customizability and pretty that it made me happy. Um, and when they moved to that KDE4, it, it was so broken at the time that um, I, I made that hard switch to GNOME. And even then, even in my entire time in GNOME, I always felt like something was missing. Ha ha, Mark. Thank you very much for making me feel funny. <laughs> what did you feel at home? <laughs> um, but like I was saying, GNOME 3 right now is so broken for me that I can't even use it on my laptop that's, you know, two years old. Um, so I, I'm, I'm on a quest now to find a better environment. And right now, KDE is working fairly well for me. Um, okay. <laughs> the, uh, the thing that I found right now, uh, it has a lot of features that I like about it. One of the things that I didn't realize until just a second, or not a second ago, but about a, two days ago when I did it by accident, uh, it has a similar drag to the side like Windows 7 does, but it has a little more functionality than just drag to the side because if you drag it to the side in the top corner, it fills only a quarter of the screen instead of half. So that's, I thought it was kind of neat. Um, if you are a veteran KDE user, you know that not much has changed. Some of the the menu options are a little wonky feeling at first, but then they get kind of you get used to it. Um, the The amount of pretty that they give you is a lot. Uh, I was actually pretty shocked to see, you know, like they have a slide effect when you move from desktop to desktop environment. You have, uh, or you can change that to the cube that GNOME has, and this is all without installing Compiz. Um, KDE has its own built-in compositing windowing system. So does that make so, it more efficient at all, or um, is it pretty much still the same? Uh, I'm going to say it's more efficient. Um, with GNOME, even GNOME 2, when I had Compass running, it always felt really slow and sluggish um, from my laptop. So I should say, for example, my laptop, though, is a GeForce GT 240M uh, one gigabyte of uh, onboard RAM. So that's a pretty so, kicking graphics card. It's not bad. I mean, it can play most of my games on full power without without even blinking. So it's not something you know. It, it's nothing to joke about, and it's got some some oomph behind it. Um. So when I moved to KDE, I was expecting to have something similar to that, and I would almost say it's just as fast with the compositing effects turned on as it is when it's turned off. So I would say, yeah, the the, the built-in compositing system uh, is at least on par, if not better, than the GNOME compositing system. Now, just to, to uh, back up a little bit, again, this show is aimed at the uh, um, non-expert Linux user. What we're talking about here is the system, the windowing system on top of Linux. So we're not talking about any different versions of Linux necessarily, uh, but uh, the thing that presents you your windows uh, is that, you know, we've talked before about the difference between GNOME and KDE, and uh, when we talked about uh, Fedora, um, what are their, whatever their current version is, 13, 
uh, whatever their 15. current ver- fifteen. Uh, we talked about the fact that gnome current 3, version is garbage. The, in cur- <laughs> the current version of gnome uh, <laughs> is uh, problematic to say the least, and uh, we actually sort of dissed an entire distro based on that. And so that's so Chris is looking for a search uh, is on a search for something else. What I wonder though is um, he he has in the notes here. I don't think he said it yet, but. Uh, um, that GNOME 3 is moving more to a wind, a phone-like interface, a tablet-like interface. Um, all the major OSs are doing that. Windows is doing that. Uh, Microsoft is doing that. I, what makes you think KDE won't? Well, I don't. But that's the point of Linux in general is you have that choice. And with GNOME 3, it feels like they've taken that choice away from me. Um, yes, the, the, it's, it's, the, the, the system that GNOME 3 is, it, it is very much nicer looking than GNOME 2, but in functionality wise with a keyboard and a mouse, it's not something that you can use easily. Um, and KDE might do the same thing in, in, a, in six months. I mean, we are at KDE version 4.6, and that's when they made the change from 3.6 to 4 and made it feel like it was broken. So, I mean, we may be on the same cusp of uh, KDE, but that's why I'm not staying on just KDE, and I have other things in my sites to play with. Well, Um, I downloaded, to get ready for this episode, uh, uh, K-Ubuntu, Kubuntu, and the Ubuntu distribution distribution based on KDE, and I gotta say, I really like it. I mean, it's very similar to like a Windows 7 machine. Uh, The web browser that comes with it is fine. You know, it I don't like it because it doesn't have all the customability of Firefox, but I could add Firefox if I wanted to. And so if you're watching the uh, Hangout and you see me off to the side, that's because I'm bringing stuff up on my uh, laptop. Uh, one good thing Fedora does do, if you want to uh, install over it, it does go away pretty easy. So i got to <laughs> say, <laughs> that's a good part of it. Seth, which browser is default? Is that Reconk? Yes, it is. And... As far as, I mean, it seems like just a regular browser, you know, I'm used to adding plugins because I'm a Firefox guy, you know, like I have bookmarks with X marks and things like that. So if there is a way to do that in Reconk, I don't know how. And like I say, I could download Firefox. It's readily available. I just figured I would play with the defaults and see what I could get. So... And I got to say, it's it's pretty nice. Uh, wireless worked right out of the box. I didn't have to search for a wireless driver. But again, this is kind of an older business class laptop, so uh, pretty nice. Yeah, um, like I said, KDE I think is a really good dis- uh, desktop environment right now. The main problem I have been having with KDE is not the wireless issues that uh, that most people have. It's with how they do their audio with their audio control panel. Um, it's kind of not very intuitive and it takes you a little bit of, of digging through the menus and, and playing with it to figure out, okay, for example, if I don't want to have this headset plugged in, but I want to have my, my Bluetooth headset working. Um, it's not easy to get this to be the default thing. Mm. Uh, it, it takes a little bit, but, you know, if you're willing to spend 15 minutes playing through menus and trying to find where the options are to change your default settings, there's a lot more uh, granularity. I could have this being the default thing for uh, pointing at my heads, my wired headset, 
Um, this can be my default thing for any games. But then if I want to have, say, uh, music being defaultly played through my Bluetooth headset, um, that you can actually, you have that much granularity control by program, which is nice. Huh. And you don't have that granularity in GNOME. And, you know, as we've often said, uh, with power often comes a trade-off of simplicity. So it's you have more power but less simplicity. And uh, I think the general trend right now is to move towards simplicity. Uh, Windows 7, uh, the new Mac OS Lion, uh, they're de- definitely trending toward simplicity and away from power. Which is where I think KDE can hold a niche now by staying customizable and powerful. Uh, if, if the people that be can keep this, you know, can keep that simplicity line off of their their dis- their desktop environment, I think KDE has a good strong foothold on the power users of Linux. And anybody coming that wants that power interface and not have a Fisher Price interface. Yeah, if I were going to recommend somebody, if somebody was a Windows user and said, I'm looking to try Linux, what should I try? I would not recommend GNOME to them, but I I wouldn't have a problem recommending KDE and based on my limited experience with it. So let me ask this question. Um, if if uh, the, the Ubuntu version that I have and have been playing around with and this shows obviously why I'm the noob in residence because I don't know anything. Um, that was a uh, GNOME interface, and now this Kubuntu. <laughs> I don't know how you pronounce right. it. Yes, it's K. Yeah, K for for Ubu- KDE Ubuntu. B, right. That's what it's always I, I knew, been. I know where it came from, but how do right. you pronounce it? That's the question. That's so important with <laughs> Ubuntu. It has to be pronounced correctly. I would say Kubuntu. But- how about? Chris would say Kubuntu. Kubuntu. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I'm going to say it from now on. Kubuntu. That's, yeah. Uh, so Kubuntu um, obviously is using the, the KDE interface versus the GNOME or the Genome or the no, GNOME. I'm, I'm just giving up. So, uh, so you're saying, Seth and or Chris, that you would recommend me not using Kubuntu versus GNOME Ubuntu. Well, now, because if you're, there's too many if, options, and well, I might if get you were switching, and hurt my fingers, or if you were switching to like different distribution that in the latest version of GNOME, I don't think it would be a problem. But if you're kind of familiar with Windows Seven, the KDE uh-huh. interface in uh, Kubuntu is very similar to that, whereas the GNOME interface. Kubuntu. Kubuntu's interface is very similar to Windows 7, whereas GNOME's interface, or Fedora's GNOME interface is very similar to, I don't know, I think maybe the first circle of hell. It was just really bad. Well, so, I've, been, again, uh, I've, I've been uh, going to, or as we say, I've been fixing to, as we say in Texas, I've been fixing to take Ubuntu off of my laptop and the other laptop and... Uh, and put something else on it just to try something else. I've been playing around with the idea of doing the Puppy Linux like we talked about the other day in a past episode. So maybe I'll try the Kubuntu too just so I can see how it works. Um, by the way, just in case you don't know, right now I'm actually, my video is coming off my laptop that's sitting in my lap. My audio is running through my uh, Aspire Revo that I bought today that's hooked up to my TV. So I'm sitting in my recliner 
looking at my at you guys on my laptop here in front of me with my little tiny keyboard from my Aspire in my lap, what, looking at my show notes on my television. It's actually kind of nice. My wife's in Texas this week, um, so I, I only get to do this once a year. So I'm enjoying it, sitting in my recliner with the ceiling fan on, and I finished off my bottle of Gatorade just a few minutes ago. This is nice. Oh, we uh, are. I could do geeks. this all night. <laughs> are you in your underwear? I that's am, I have sh- <laughs> yeah, from the waist down. <laughs> I have shorts on over them, but I am in the underwear. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the Captain America underwear, in case you were curious. <laughs> <Yeah, I know. laughs> so anyway, moving Great right movie, on. By the way. Uh, another, um, another, I'm <clears throat> sorry, puberty. Um, <laughs> another, uh, and the show is off the rails. <laughs> another KDE-based uh uh, Linux version I I like and would recommend is called PC Linux OS. PC is in computer Linux OS. Uh, they're um, a fork of the Mandriva project, which was a fork of the Mandrake project. So they're like um, sec- second cousins or something. Uh, but uh, I like it a lot for Windows users, for people who don't know Linux and don't really particularly care to know Linux because, again, it's got that KDE interface, which is uh, uh, very Windows-ish, uh, and they've done a good job of uh, uh, consolidating everything into a single control panel. Um, so anyway, just thought I'd mention that one. Okay. Um, like I was, and I was going to go on to this too, and, and since you brought it up and we kind of derailed for a little bit there, Aaron, <laughs> um, there's a couple of things to think about if you're currently on a um, GNOME-based distribution, say U- Ubuntu. Does that work, guys? <laughs> <laughs> it's close. <laughs> um, anyway, the, uh, there's a couple of things to think about when you're if you're going to try KDE. Um, there's two there's two usual ways to do it. One is to install the KDE packages. And then have GNOME and KDE both installed at the same time. Uh, that gives you some flexibility. You then can have both your um, KDE apps and your GNOME apps hand in hand, and they work fairly well without uh, you know much of a hitch. And that does work, you know, for trying KDE. But I personally, I think if you're going to go KDE and you're going to you know jump in both feet first, uh, go ahead and find a KDE based distribution. You know, there, there's a Linux Mint distribution that's KDE only. There's um, OpenSUSE and the PC Linux that Mark brought up. There are a few that are running around that are KDE only or based. Um, those seem to work a little better when it comes to your KDE apps, like the system trainer. Um, everything just feels a little more fine tuned, I guess would be the better way to describe that. Um, Things just seem, I don't know, a little simpler when it comes to where everything's located. You don't have the gnome things buggering, uh, buttering up the mix. Um, one of the things what? I noticed right away is when I had both installed, um, Nautilus was taking over for everything that I was doing. And so then when I went to a strictly KDE environment, I was in Dolphin. And Dolphin dis- doesn't handle like Samba shares the same as Nautilus does. So what's browsing around my work? Nautilus is the file browser. So like your windows Explorer. Yeah. In GNOME, the first thing when you go to like, you know, your home or, um, 
any of those, the, you're browsing through the, the network, you're using Nautilus. And Nautilus is a great, is a great file browser, and so is Dolphin. But Dolphin handles uh, authenticating to Windows shares different than Nautilus does. So where I could easily feed my credentials through Nautilus, it wasn't so simple in, in, in Dolphin. So let me ask, I've got, um, Paul is a, is a Ubuntu guy there too, and on our, who's in the hangout with us. And we got Chris, obviously, and Seth, who's had some experience with it, Mark, and, and then there's me. The, you know, one of these people is not like the others. Um, so what do you guys, you got four votes here. Who, what should I go install on my laptop this week while my wife's out? What, should, what should I kill Ubuntu with and put in place of it? Linux Mint KDE. Linux Mint KDE. I have one vote for Linux Mint KDE. Do I hear you in a second? I'll second that. All right. Sure. Seth, is, Seth says sure. Paul is typing. <laughs> You can you can enable your mic, Paul, if you want. Can we hear you, Paul? No, that's right. That's uh, right. He says Linux, Linux Mint. Linux Mint. Well. Agreed. All right, so I'm going to do Linux Mint. Linux Mint KDE. <laughs> KDE. What's what's my other options? Well, they have Kubuntu. Kubuntu. <laughs> Kubuntu Maru, so it's the um, it's the no win situation. I can hear Paul now. He tried out Linux Mint and it was pretty good. Yep, I can hear I you. Can Mark the can other, hear other one that you could try is uh, Open Susie. That's a KDE based one as well. Open Susie, yes, uh, which we talked about in one of our previous episodes. Okay, now I've got too many options. When my wife sends me the store, I say, "What kind of bread do you want?" And she tells me a specific <laughs> loaf to buy, and that's the loaf I buy. So Linux Mint KDE, right? That's it? Yep. That I'm, would be I'm the one typing. I would pay to try. Okay. I've got it. Linux Mint KDE. I'm going to make a note of that to myself right now in, on another computer that's across the room. For anybody who's been watching the stream, I've actually had some screenshots of Linux Mint KDE up while we've been talking um, just so you get an idea of what the, the desktop looks like. And, I, I was actually watching the stream on my TV, but I was hearing some degradation. I don't know if it was Seth's link or if it was because of that I'm streaming my audio and the streaming back and and the video, so I killed it. But uh, it looked it was cool, Mark. I appreciate you going through the trouble of doing the switch around and all that. Thanks. By the switch around, you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, we need to mute Paul again. You, you can't have a you can't have a um a, a glass with ice in it, Paul. Yeah, when you're, we're hearing the iced tea. You have to have a straw. There we go. Okay. <laughs> so What's really anyway. funny is I'm, I'm sitting here typing furiously, furiously on my laptop and wondering why I'm not seeing anything on the TV. It's because I'm using the wrong computer. Anyway, Folks, uh, if you wanted a podcast full of geeks, this is it. <laughs> Tell all your friends where I, I just did it again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, Chris, I have never tried installing KDE on a GNOME desktop. Uh, talk to me a little bit about what I might expect if I chose to go that route. <laughs> well, a lot of the things you wouldn't really feel much difference. Um, they are pretty much the I mean, your your 
Ubuntu and your Kubuntu is very similar for experience. If you have them both installed, I mean, if you had GNOME and then you install KDE into it. Um, so is it is KDE going to take over, or am I just going to be able to run KDE apps? Well, you'll well it, at defaultly you'd be running KDE apps. Um, after you installed everything, when you go get to your login screen, there'll be a button there that says sessions, and you can click sessions, and then you can change it to be um, KDE or GNOME, or I think they have a couple of recovery systems set up there. And that's where you'd go to change your whole world to be KDE then. So you're talking about having both of the the GUI interfaces installed over one Linux base, and you can just flip back and forth between the... Yep. So that sounds like yep, the best, best way to, to try something, to sort of try before yeah. you buy. Right, that's what I was saying. Like I, like I, that's what I was saying earlier about um, having both installed at the same time. You could switch back and forth between GNOME and KDE the whole environment, um, but for some reason, in Ubuntu's sake, for in Ubuntu and um, Linux Mint GNOME edition, when you're in the GNOME edition, some of those apps don't take over. So, like, with you, if you do the switch from your your standard GNOME install, your GNOME interface, and then you switch to KDE, some of your GNOME apps will take over and be um, will be will be the default in both environments. That's why I was saying where Nautilus takes over, and you it, you can't shake Nautilus free from the default file browser in KDE. You can manually do it. You can manually open Dolphin, but if you just click a you know click on your link, it's going to open Nautilus instead of Dolphin. So it's just like installing the Bing toolbar. <laughs> you can't get rid of it no matter what. Once it's there, it's there. It's everywhere. Like we were talking the other day, it's nothing. It's on your microwave. It's on your <laughs> in your car. You hit your OnStar button, and it says "Bing." <laughs> Where are you located? So, uh, what other uh, just round robin here? Uh, what other windowing systems or desktop environments? Uh, might some people try to t- take a look at? I know we're probably going to discuss some at, at length in other episodes, but for our intrepid listeners who want to go out and try something, um, uh, Chris, give us a rundown of what some of the other options might be. And if you guys uh, know others, uh, I don't mean just list them, but uh, things that you've actually ex- played with. Okay. Um, I've ex- I've played with GNOME, obviously, both two point, the 2X versions and the 3. Um, KDE, XFCE, um, a little bit of light, I think it's called Lightbox or oh, Openbox. That was the name of it. Okay. Openbox. Um, those are the ones I've played with the most. With uh, I'm actually playing with a, a, a virtual box of Crunchbang, which right now is uh, a, a Openbox only distribution. It does have an option to download um, XFCE, but in the virtual box. It's fast. Oh my God, is it fast? So that's my next distribution I'm going to try is this Crunchbang and with its Lickrix kernel. So that'll be a future episode. I'm showing some uh, screenshots of OpenBox from boxlook.org. It it seems very uh, minimalist, not a lot pretty. Oh no, it's very, very minimalist. It's uh, what you see is what you get. 
some of the interface is a little different. Like instead of having a start menu, you have a right click menu and that's how you get to all your programs. Yeah, I think, you know, that that may be fine for the geek, but I think most users like the pretty and, right. and aren't going to want to go to that. So for pretty right now, KDE wins and GNOME is second, in my opinion. And Joe's Windows Manager for the puppy crowd out there. <laughs> I had to look up. It's called Joe's Windows Manager. Joe's Windows Manager. It's yes. Windows. I know there's another the- one called Black Box. I haven't played with that or, or uh, oh, what was that? I- Ice Wind? IWM, yeah, it, I've I've used it before. Uh, it's very Windows ninety five ish. If you liked Windows ninety five, you'll like IWM. If you didn't like Windows ninety five, you're normal. So my, you're- my first experience ever with Linux, I got I'm getting echo back on from somebody, Mark. I don't know how I'm getting it, but of myself through somebody's channel. But um, was I went to a friend's house and their dad was a big computer geek and he knew I was in, you know, worked in IT. And so he said, look at this. And I said, okay, what's it look like? And I said, looks kind of like Windows 95. That right there, <laughs> that right there is Red Hat Linux, my friend. <laughs> Something like that. I, don't, I think it was Red Hat. And he, he was just so excited that he was running a w- version of Linux that looked like Windows 95. This was about probably the year 2001. Right. And I was like, that's exciting. Why don't you just run Windows 95? But uh, anyway, at the time, I was didn't even know what Linux was. <clears throat> All right. Any other thoughts on making the transition from GNOME to KDE? Or any other questions? Do it post-haste. That would be my two cents. <laughs> well, if you're, be into. if you're on GNOME 3 uh, or, or GNOME, yeah, GNOME 2 and happy with it, but there's really no reason to go anywhere because all the major distributions are going to be supporting Norm, GNOME, Norm, uh, GNOME for a while. Uh, even Ubuntu will will have a GNOME two project. They uh, that's they've already talked about that when they move. Uh, you know they've moved to Unity, but there's already a GNOME two project. Uh, so there, it's you know Seth says post haste. There's not really a hurry, but if you're impatient and if you're uh, a, a member of the Distro of the Week Club like Chris is. Uh, then yeah, that you can definitely go and uh, try some different options there. So yeah, and you know, I mean, it's just fun for me. It's fun to make fun of the latest GNOME desktop. It's my uh, it's my whipping boy in Linux till something else comes along. So I just enjoy bashing it. Okay, <sighs> and we won't take that fun away from you. Okay, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> So, Seth, as long as you're talking and already in frame there on the video, what is our end-user tip of the week? Well, our end-user tip of the week is a product that I absolutely love, and it is the, uh, it's called the Electric Duster. And if you live in, like, suburbia and you have a, a air compressor, Use your air compressor to blow out your computer just with, uh, like, you know, like one of those reducer things. But if you live in um, in an apartment or something, dorm room, and you don't have room for a loud air compressor, do not waste money on cans of air. Buy an electric duster. They're really awesome. I'll, I've uh, The last two places I've worked, I've convinced my boss to buy them, and they're really good because they're about the size of a can of air, and you hold it. And you can feel the the flow from across the room. 
you know, if you're ever going to open up your computer, which I recommend you do at least once a year and blow out the dust, uh, the electric duster is the way to go. And there's a link that I put in the show notes that we can put on the website that you can even order through our Element OP link and get some money for our podcast. If you go to elementop.com slash Amazon and look up the Metro Vacuum ED500 that I have on the stream right now, it's only $50. And that's what, uh, six, seven cans of air? It wouldn't take long to yeah. recoup that $50. And Mark, yeah. could you put... Um, could you go yourself to our Amazon link, look it up, take that link, and then put that link in the show notes? So somebody clicked on the link in the show notes, it would go directly to the affiliate program? Uh, which I already always do anytime there's a link. Is that what you do? Affiliate. Okay. Yeah, and if well, you continue do, do buy that, that, continue. Continue with doing that. <laughs> if you do buy that, the one thing to remember is anytime you use it, there's this little filter at the bottom. You just take it out and wipe it off with your hand and put it back in. Otherwise, it would just get caught up with air and it would reduce the effectiveness of it. But that's my uh, end user tip of the week is take care of your computer and it will take care of you and use the electric duster and not cans of air. It did get four and a half stars on Amazon too, so that's that's be a nice one. Yeah. And uh, 0.75 horsepower is a lot in something that size. Yeah, you can stand across a regular size office room or classroom, and I could point this at you and turn it on, and you would feel it. I mean, it wouldn't blow you down, at, you know, but you could feel it from half a room away, which is pretty impressive. You couldn't do that with a can of compressed air. It also be good for trimming those pesky uh, eyebrows that just won't be, won't be tamed <laughs> otherwise. You could do that, yes. <laughs> oh, great godfather of the command line. What is our command line tip of the week? The command line tip is you name. Uh, I think that's how you would say it. It would be the actual you and then name. Um, there's a whole bunch of command line switches that go with it. Uh, what it's for is to, in a terminal, to give you, um, say, what type of kernel you're running, what type of processor you're running, what's your hardware platform. What operating system are you currently in? Uh, just a whole slew of different things that say you're in a support room and they want to know something. Um, it would tell you it in a heartbeat um, without having to dig through menus. Like if on my particular machine, when I just ran the uname hyphen A command, which is the all switch, um, it tells me I'm running a Linux machine. My host name is called Tinkers. I'm running the 2.635 kernel. Um, the current system time, what type of, what version of the kernel is. I'm, it's a 64 bit kernel. It just tons of information that really comes in handy if you're trying to get some support. Does it tell you which distribution of Linux you're running? Uh, it'll tell you what the root distribution is. So, like, uh, on my, this is the KDE version of Linux Mint. So it says I'm running Ubuntu. Yeah, but obviously I'm not. Interestingly, that can be a very difficult thing to actually find out if you don't know which distribution of Linux you're running from the desktop, or if there isn't a desktop, it can be really hard to find out that you're running, um, you know, Ubuntu 10.4. Right. So I don't know that I have a point there. Just find that interesting that you can know that it hasn't be been re rebooted since the Clinton era, but you don't know what you're working on. But if you have the base system, um, you, that that leads uh, that, that gives you a lot of information because if it says Debian, well, that tells you that you're running in a Debian environment, so you can actually find 
a lot of support for a Debian-based system True. or Red Hat or whatever is a root to the system. All right, anything yeah, else, and- guys? What? I was going to say, uh, if you're I, I, I have a... Uh, oh, I forgot. Uh, we have a I'd like to share. But, Seth, what, what were you going to say, Seth? Before, before Aaron says, Seth, did you have something actually on topic to say? Yes. If you're coming from a Windows world and somebody asks you what desktop you're running, you're like, um, I have two windows open in it. So, the, <laughs> okay, you know, KDE, uh, GNOME, you know, Joe's manager or whatever can be – you don't know what you're talking about. Right. So this utility would be really awesome for that because you can just run and go, oh, well, I'm running this. And, yeah. uh, if you so ask, it ask would, a Windows user what desktop they have, they'll say it came from Ikea. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Most of them these days know that that they have 98 because that's what everybody's had for the last 10 years. <laughs> you know, we're we're starting to roll out 7 slowly at, at my office and um So Aaron, what I'm is, what is our noob discovery of the week? It's not a real discovery mark as you can see in the show notes and you already chastised me for being off topic yet again, but that's <laughs> okay. It's okay. Uh, well, last week off show, we were joking around about the old, uh, if, if Apple made cars, if Microsoft made cars, and we came up with a short list of if Linux made cars, and we, we didn't publish it, we didn't finish it out, and instead of it just sitting there and going away, I thought at least the five that we came up with, and maybe you guys have some off the top of your head you want to throw in there, I could read and get out there to the world to enjoy. So number one, quickly going through the uh, the user's manual would be a list of questions with several possible answers provided for each one, if Linux made cars. The car would be free, but you'd have to turn it in every six months and get a new one. Sometimes the car would be better, sometimes not so much. Uh, when you took your car to the mechanic, he'd berate you for not doing your own tune-up. That's a little <laughs> homage to the, uh, the neck beards there. Uh, you would not be able to find a part for your car. Rather, you would find detailed instructions on how to make a part for your car. And then number First, five, your car would be able to go. Oh, sorry, just wait for the laughter. Sorry. Okay. Number <laughs> five, your car would be able to go off road, on water, and underwater, but you could not use any extra interest ramp made in the last six months. <laughs> just going so. back to that uh, that instructions on how to build it. The first one would be first find a vein of ore, <laughs> then <laughs> dig it up, <laughs> make a hammer. <laughs> Yeah, pseudo make me a hammer. Uh, yeah, first, <laughs> first invent matter. Uh, <laughs> Find a source of limitless energy. <laughs> right. Well, right. You know, and the thing about the the number five about your car could go off road on water and so forth. So if, if the inch ramp was made in the last six months, it would be one of those kind of things where. Um, where you would be driving down the road and you would need to exit. <laughs> Really, I need to exit here. I, I need to exit. I, well, I can't exit. What I'll do? I'll drive down a little further. Well, I still can't exit. I'll go turn this car in and get a different car and come back to that exit and see if I can go down it now. <laughs> maybe I can. Maybe I can't. We'll see. And we like Linux. Won't know until we try it. What would we say about things we don't like? That's a scary idea <laughs> there, Mark. Yeah, but you can take your Windows car back and get another one for free and try that ramp again. 
Of course, it would have worked on the ramp. But Aaron, why don't you uh, why don't you post those in a in a forum over there at elementopi.com and uh, let our that. listeners uh, communicate uh, communicate on that. Uh, so uh, uh, that's where you can find uh, these goofy guys and and other shows made by some of these goofy guys. Uh, that's at uh, elementopi.com. But most importantly, is where our forums are, where our listeners uh, talk back to us. Uh, those who uh, weren't brave enough to join the hangout like Paul was tonight. That's, that's, uh, you got to give a guy credit there. Just jump right in right in the middle of something. Uh, of course, we did. Sorry, that was, well, that was really loud. Uh, I'm sorry. I thought about that as I did it. <laughs> but we did invite him to do so. We invited all our listeners to. But anyway, also, you can, uh, email us. Uh, you know, email is almost a dying communication method. Uh, it's too slow for, for most kids and, uh, too, uh, too spam filled. But if you choose to email, our, uh, email address is edl for everyday Linux at elementop.com. Or if you want to follow us on Twitter, uh, you could do so at uh, twitter.com slash elementop or you go to face- facebook.com slash elementop. And as soon as Google allows brands, uh, to have Google Plus identities, they will be there on Google Plus. But for now, you can just find each of your individual hosts there on Google Plus because we all are there as of tonight because we made Seth. We dragged him kicking and screaming into the Googleverse. Seth you probably won't find me there outside of uh, the show, though. <laughs> yeah, he's only going to be here for the Hangout, and then that's it. That's yeah, fine. At least for now. All right, guys, anything else before we say goodnight? Uh, I did hear online that um, over the last few months that the volume of spam has actually decreased some recently, so it has at least a downward trend starting. So maybe there won't be as much spam in your email box or being caught by the filters later on. Maybe. All right, and so I think we will just uh, leave it right there and say that ends this episode of Everyday Linux. Everyday Linux.